His and Hers Horror features two adults discussing horror movies, serial killers, and other spooky content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. listening to his and hers horror my name is tia and i'm david and welcome to spooky month everybody yay it's october the best month of the year at least it starts getting cooler it gets cooler for lots of reasons well okay it gets yeah. literally cooler and also figuratively cooler yes temperature wise is my main focus because for me halloween is every day that's true i got chastised by kelsey for trying to celebrate halloween too early her opinion is that Halloween doesn't start until after her birthday. <laughs> and her birthday is just a few days after mine. Yeah, her birthday is a few days after yours, yeah. Mm. Well, see, that's where I'm in a conundrum because I, I feel like it officially starts before my birthday. Oh. So oh, fair. We, we can negotiate it. We can, yeah. you know, every four years it starts before September 1st. We could do that. Well, and honestly, my whole thing is if people can start getting ready for Christmas in fucking July, I can start getting ready for Halloween in September. Because at least September is much closer to Halloween than July is to Christmas. Yeah, considering when all the uh, Valentine's candy, like February 15th, they're already putting out St. Patty's Day stuff and Easter stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's wicked. I don't know if they do if that's how it is in other countries, but that's how it is in America, and it sucks. I mean, it keeps the candy flowing, but it just, by the time the actual holiday comes yeah. up, you're like, over it. You're so sick of it, yeah. I don't feel that way with Halloween, luckily. No, never. I did feel that way with Christmas when I worked retail, though. That was awful. Anyway, moving on. Yes. So we are going to start doing things a little differently. Hang on. It feels like you say that almost every episode. I, okay. Not, uh, not every episode. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to do something just a little bit different. No, okay. What I mean to say, asshole, (laughs) is it was pointed out to me recently by some listeners that... We used to do more diverse episodes. It wasn't just movies out all the time. Right. And those fans that pointed that out to me said that they missed that. They missed the more diverse topics. Yeah. So we're going to try and go with that going forward. Okay. We're still going to do movies and it'll probably still mostly be movies, but we're also going to throw in other stuff. And that starts today where we are going to talk about real haunted houses. Hmm. Now, there are a plethora of real haunted houses throughout the United States and the world at large. You're not talking about the attraction type haunted houses. No, I'm not talking about the the attractions that pop up every, you know, October. I'm talking about literally haunted by ghosts and apparitions and things of that nature. We could have for this kind of gone whole hog and talked about a lot of different haunted houses. Mm -hmm. But I kind of just wanted to focus on... A few. Mm. And that way we can, maybe we can go look at others later on down the line. Sounds good. Does that make sense? Sounds good. So the one that I picked to do is, most people have probably heard about it in some way, shape, or form, just because we are not the first nor will we be the last podcast to talk about the Whaley House. Right. You've either heard of it or you're about to. Yeah. It's, I would... (laughs) Because logic. Right. I would put it up there as far as like well-known American haunted houses. It's probably up there with the Winchester Mystery House and Mm. like Amityville. Okay. As that's the one that people know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So I have a couple of facts 
Well, I'm, I should, I don't, okay. This episode is going to be all facts, so I don't know why I'm like, oh, I have a couple of facts. Fuck it. Anyway. You have some lore. I have, I have, well, I have actual documented factual information, and then I have lore later on. Okay. So the Whaley House is located in Old Town, San Diego. Mm-hmm. It is a two-story Greek revival house that was actually designed by Thomas Whaley. At the time it was built, the cost of the house was over $10,000. Wow. And that was in the 1850s. So it's a pretty big deal. It was actually the finest house in Southern California. And for, for the time and place, it was actually considered a mansion, basically. Okay. It was furnished with mahogany and rosewood furniture. Oh, wow. And featured Brussels carpets and damask drapes. So, I mean, that's something that you can't argue. If nothing else, it was a fancy house with nice furnishings. It was. And because of the grandeur of the house, it actually, at times, served as a gathering place for Mm -hmm. the city of San Diego. Oh, wow. That's far too many guests for my liking. Well, I understand. (laughs) Then again, one is far too many guests for my liking. Yes. Another part of the house actually served as the Whaley and Crossthwaite General Store. Okay. And there were two other main things that were on site this was their house i mean this was the whaley family's house but there also was their general store and then there were two other things that ended up happening at at one point or another so it was actually san diego's second county courthouse Hmm. the county of san diego actually leased one room that was kind of converted into a courtroom okay and three upstairs bedrooms to be used as offices and record storage so it's like a Airbnb for the courts. Kinda, yeah. How much do you think Thomas charged in them in rent? I don't know it in old timey money, what, five dollars a month? That that sounds like a ridiculously low amount, but that's like a million dollars today, so sixty five dollars a month. Okay, so alright, so I was yeah. lowballing it, but still. Well and he offered to sell the house to the county several times. This was later on when the family didn't live there anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like the late 1860s, early 1870s. But they always just kind of ignored that offer. Eventually, in March of 1871, everything was moved to downtown San Diego. I guess the county just didn't want to pay for the property management, so they left that on Whaley. I'm not sure. I have no idea. I couldn't find anything that said necessarily why. I know there was at one point, there was some argument over whether the county courthouse and everything should be in Old Town San Diego, which is where the Whaley House is, or what at the time was called Newtown San Diego, which Mm. would later be called Downtown. Right. And so like the Republicans wanted it in one place and the Democrats wanted it in another place and nobody could really agree And they did eventually just move it to Newtown. Fair. The other thing that was on site at the Whaley House, the first commercial theater in San Diego. Wow. Yeah. In October 1868, an upstairs family room was converted into a theater after Thomas rented the room to this traveling theater troupe. Mm -hmm. It was a kind of a small room, but it was big enough that there was a stage and a few benches. Mm Mm-hmm. And the opening night performance included 150 people. Wow. Yeah. Although it's noted in the stuff that I read that it was mostly standing room only. Mm-hmm. And women were advised against wearing uh, hoop skirts and petticoats because that shit takes up a lot of room. Right. So, right. That's three seats on an airplane, folks. Yeah. Unfortunately, the leader of the troupe, Thomas Tanner, he actually died 17 days after they opened the theater. Oof. And the troop disbanded in January of 1869. So, so, so they got all their shit in order, and then 
two and a half weeks later, the organizer of it just croaked. Yeah. And then the, the rest of the actors were like, all right, well, I guess we're done. <laughs> Come on, theater people. You're better than that. Someone take the reins. I know. That's there, sh- there should have been at least one burgeoning director or something. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the Whaley family themselves. Sure. So Thomas Whaley was born in New York. Uh, he was a businessman. Mm-hmm. It's actually fairly successful off and on from Doing what I... business. Yeah. He purchased the land in 1855. Mm-hmm. Uh, building of the house began in 1856, and then it was completed in 1857. That's and pretty decent construction time. Well, it helped that he owned a brickyard. Well, yeah. So like... <laughs> yeah, I guess so. They were able to kind of use his own personal bricks from his personal brickyard kind of deal. Building your house with your stash, man. Yeah. So they moved in in August hmm. of 1857. Uh, And when I say they, the family at the time was Thomas and his wife, Anna, and they had three children, Francis Thomas Jr. and Anna Amelia. Unfortunately, not long after moving in, some things would happen to the family. The first thing that happened was uh, Thomas Jr. unfortunately passed away. Mm. He was... Some stuff I saw said 17 months old. Others said 18 months old. He contracted scarlet fever and did not survive. And then shortly after that, somebody tried to burn down their general store, Hmm. which is kind of fucked up. Like your kid just died and then somebody tries to burn down your business. Well, it could have been a business rival. Maybe. I don't know. I don't think they ever figured out exactly who did it. But because of this, the Whaley's were kind of like, all right, we're going to get the fuck out of San Diego for a while. But they ended up moving to uh, San Francisco. Wow, that's a hell of a trek. (laughs) A lot of people who are not familiar with California don't realize that going from San San Diego to San Francisco, that's not like a two-hour drive. That's a long way, especially in the 1800s. Yeah, it's it's pretty decent. But they moved to San Francisco in 1858. They actually lived there for 10 years. And well done them. While they were in San Francisco, Thomas and Anna had three more children, George, Violet, and Corinne. Okay. Although Corinne is often called Lillian in stuff. I don't, okay. That was her middle name. I guess that's what they, I don't know. So, would you like to know what prompted them to say, fuck San Francisco and move back to San Diego? <laughs> Did a baby die? No. Did someone try to set fire to something? No. What was it? The 1868 Hayward earthquake. Oh. <laughs> well, I hate to break it to them, but earthquakes affect all of California, not just one. Like, if it shakes in one spot, it's going to shake in another spot later. Yeah, but my understanding is that the, the Hayward Fault Line, which is cl- the one that's closest to San Francisco, like, yeah. it was particularly bad. Yeah, but so they moved back down to the tail end of the San Andreas? That doesn't make I don't any know. sense. I don't know. Maybe it trashed their shit in San Francisco and they were like, well, we already have a house that's perfectly fine in San Diego. Let's just move back to San Diego. I don't know. Fair. So unfortunately, tragedy would continue to befall the Whaley family. Mm. Um, just trigger warning coming forward, FYI, for suicide. So Violet married this guy named George T. Bertolacci. And not long after they were married, the family learns of some of unsavory aspects of his past. I mean, everybody's got a past. How bad could it have been? For the 1800s, it was pretty bad. Okay. Give me just a sec. Let me pull up my notes in my little book. Uh, Let me see. He actually wrote a letter 
because he he did genuinely care for her. But some of the things he said in his letter, first of all, he lied about his parents being dead because he's like, well, my mom is still alive and I also have a brother and a sister, but he was kicked out for my own rascality is what he says. So he was a rascal. Mm-hmm. So nothing definitive. Yep. He was previously married, but divorced, which they didn't know about and apparently was a big deal. Mm-hmm. His daughter was illegitimate. Okay. Born of a, what? let me see, letter says a hired girl that he met at a hotel in Colorado. Okay, so a sex worker. Well, I don't know if it's a sex worker or if she was like a maid. Oh. I don't know. No. It's just as, he just says hired girl. And then when he left Colorado and went to San Francisco, yeah. he took her with him. And apparently wow. he was also like a bit of a drunk and, you know, just Oof. generally unsavory, especially for the, you know, like I said, the 1800s. I mean, or the, even now, I, I think some of that would have been a bit, especially if it was an employee. She willingly went around with him mm. and was more than happy to, quote, spend his money. Okay. Well, I mean, hey, then it sounds like symbiosis. It's not like she wasn't getting anything out of the relationship. Okay, good. But good. all of this was completely unknown to the Whaley's. Well, sometimes you need to turn over a new leaf. Well, and he really wanted to make the marriage work. George mm. did. Yeah. And he basically was like, I'm going to go away for a while and I'm going to work on myself and try and be a better person for you. And unfortunately, Thomas and Anna were able to persuade Violet to get a divorce. Hmm. And after this, she suffered from some serious depression. She was seeing somebody, which for that period of time was rare. Wait, seeing seeing somebody dating or seeing somebody f- for therapy? For, for, for her depression. Okay. I just wanted to clarify because it's like, oh, well, I mean, if she's seen somebody, then yeah, ditch the guy. No, no. She was, <laughs> she was seeing a doctor for her depression. Okay. But again, I mean, I'm not sure exactly how much that helped. Right, um, and, and how treatment was back then. Uh, right. She attempted suicide the first time mm-hmm. uh, by drowning, and that was in July of 1885. But Thomas found her in time and, and saved her. Okay. Her second attempt was successful. She took her father's pistol and shot herself in the chest in the outhouse out back. Oof. Chest wound in a septic environment. That's Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm, mm-mm. Thomas found her and brought her into the parlor, but she died within like 10, 15 minutes of that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Her aim was true. Yes. She did leave a suicide note. There was like a section of a poem. Um, so this note was actually found on the front porch by a family friend, and it says, uh, My life has been a lie all the way. Every kind word and all that has been done for me. If you could take them back, for I am not deserving of it, there is no hope for me. I am dragging you all a horrid life, and you must not be deceived about me. All the doctors could not help me now. All is gone from me. I am cursed and a curse, and you will not any of you blame yourselves. You see what pain, no account, and no one to blame but myself and fate. Well, fuck. Yeah. And she was not incorrect in the assessment that the choices that she had made would affect the rest of her family because Corinne Lillian was actually engaged at the time of violence death. And due to the perceived scandal surrounding that whole situation, her fiance broke off the engagement and she actually ended up never marrying. Mm. And these events, in addition to the stuff that previously happened would actually prompt Thomas to build a whole new house for the family 
on uh, State Street in downtown San Diego. Okay. And the Whaley House actually ended up being vacant for over 20 years. Hmm. Thomas died at the State House in 1890. And then in 1909, Francis actually began to restore the old townhouse, what it, what is formerly known as the Whaley House. Right. He turned it into a historic tourist attraction. There's actually photos of him sitting outside entertaining visitors by playing guitar. Okay. And by 1912, Anna, Corinne, Francis, and George all lived in the old townhouse. Hmm. So in addition to it being treated as like a historic tourist attraction, they also lived there. Okay. Is it wrong that I was picturing that guitar jam session from Phantasm? it wasn't like that i will show you a picture later on okay just don't let me forget okay i won't so there have been five recorded deaths in the house the first being thomas jr who died of scarlet fever Mm -hmm. and then violet of course right the last three i think it as far as i can tell probably just old age or sickness okay anna passed away in 1913 at the age of 80 Francis in 1914 at the age of 60, and then Corinne Lillian continued to live in the house until her death at age 89 in 1953. Oh, wow. Yeah. It actually became a, I think it was 1960 is when it officially became a historic site. Mm. Like, on paper, no one can fuck with it. It's protected. Yeah. Kind of deal. So now, let's talk about some ghosts. Because there's several. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So one big one is James Yankee Jim Robinson. Okay. Who is James Yankee Jim Robinson? So Yankee Jim was arrested and convicted of grand larceny Mm -hmm. for trying to steal a boat. Is that the guy that was hanged? He was. He was hanged, yes, in 1852 uh, on the land where Thomas would later build his house. So this was before the house was built. This was before the house was built, yeah. So the home was built on the blood of a hanged man. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure he wasn't the first person to be hanged on this land. He's just a notable one. Right, because typically you... The way I understand it, as far as the past goes, is you didn't just execute people willy-nilly all over the place. You typically had a spot. Right. Where if you needed to execute someone for whatever reason, this is the spot where you do it. Right, a place to cook, a place to shit, and a place to execute people. Precisely. The funny thing about this hanging is, supposedly, Thomas was there. Okay. So Thomas was present for this execution, but purchased the land and built a house there anyway. <laughs> Which is a decision. Not, um, not a decision I would make. So did he, like, buy this land on a discount? Or was it like, no, you're buying the full fat price? I don't know, because it was like three years later that he bought this land. But if this is execution land... I don't know. Hmm. I couldn't tell you. I wouldn't, but whatever. I I agree with you then. It was a decision. It was a decision. Was it a good one? Probably not. Anna actually believed the house was cursed as a result and was responsible for all the tragedy that befell her family over the years. Which, fair. I mean, if you're going to blame somebody, blame someone who died years ago. Yes. Well... Unfortunate stuff happening to you and your family because you built your house on the land where someone died and or was buried. Yeah. Is a whole thing in many cultures, many cultures and horror media in general. So, like, I don't blame her. 
Craig T. Nelson had some things to say about that. Oh my god. Have we covered Poltergeist yet? I don't know, but if we haven't, we should. We should. Well, and the funny thing is, is soon after moving into the house, Thomas and his family would report hearing, quote, heavy footsteps moving about the house. Hmm. And Thomas actually said that the sounds seemed to be made by the boots of a large man. So he always attributed that to Yankee Jim. Because he was the only large man in San Diego. Well, they knew that he had died on that land. Okay. So. And he was probably not a diminute. He wasn't a tiny guy? Probably not. Okay. Some of the other spirits that have been reported in the house, Thomas Jr., Hmm. specifically in and around the nursery, which tracks because he was a baby when he died. So is it like crying and stuff? Yeah. Okay. Tour guides and visitors actually report in and around the nursery hearing like the cries of an infant. Okay. As long as it doesn't go into that train spotting level of of shit? No. Well, and it was interesting because the story that I read, there was actually two elderly women who, I don't know if they got separated from the tour guide or, or if this was before there was like formal tours, but they went and got like one of the docents mm-hmm. and brought him up and said, we keep hearing this. Can you hear it too? It's kind of like validation. And he heard it too. Okay. So then we have Violet, specifically in the back upstairs bedroom. Visitors have reported feelings of profound sorrow and melancholy mm. when they're in that area of the house which is attributed to the severe depression that Violet felt at the time of her death. Wow. And then I have one interesting story there. Now, I don't know for sure if this was Violet, but it seems like it might be. Okay. So sometime around 30 years ago, someone in the neighborhood called 911 to report hearing a woman crying outside the Whaley house. So like around 1991? Probably. So- yeah, somewhere in there. Okay. Um, the responding officer saw a woman at the back of the house in the yard. Mm-hmm. crying and she was dressed in like period appropriate clothing for the late 1800s yes. early 1900s yeah. okay and the officer apparently asked if she was all right and she turned and smiled at him and when he went to raise his flashlight to get a better look at her she disappeared Oof. and the officer was so affected by this that he actually would only put that information in a report when he was getting ready to retire He was basically doing like his pre-retirement debrief kind of thing, I guess, that you have to do when you're a cop. I don't know. Uh, And that was was the first time he'd told anybody about it. Wow. Uh, One ghost that we have who did not die in the house, Thomas. Hmm. Because if you remember, he died at the State Street house in a completely different part of town. Right. So did Thomas come home? There's, There's speculation that that might be possible. That the spirit energy with the Whaley house is so strong that it can pull other spirits in, especially people who were part of the family, part of the family and, yeah. or worked w- or were had a significant history with the house. Mm. So he's usually seen in the upper landing or the parlor. Okay. Sometimes he is seen, quote, clad in a frock coat and pantaloons, his face turned away. Uh, there's actually instance reported back in the 80s of a little girl seeing him in the parlor and waving at him. But none of, the, none of the adults that were part of that tour group could see him. And one thing he does that's kind of a dick move. He's sometimes said to blow tobacco smoke in visitors' faces. Well, I mean... Which is, which is rude. Yeah, I mean, I guess in a way it could be like, get out of my house or get out of, get off my turf. I mean, maybe. I don't know. 
Yeah, I'm not sure about the whole blowing tobacco smoke in people's faces. It just seems kind of a dick move. <laughs> Get off my lawn. I unfortunately have never been to San Diego, let alone the Whaley House. I would like to. I lived in San Diego. Haven't been to the Whaley House. Oh. Not in, not inside. I mean, I've I've seen it in passing. Okay, that's fair. Uh, so the last very specific ghost that we have is Anna. Anna, very specific ghost. Well, because we have some people that are... There are some unidentified spirits or apparitions where people aren't exactly sure who they are. Okay. So Anna is usually seen in the garden or one of the downstairs rooms... Uh, She has also reportedly been seen wearing, quote, a green gingham dress, sipping tea in the parlor. Hmm. There was one instance where I'm not sure exactly when this happened because I couldn't find a date. But while closing one night, a tour guide was arming the alarm system and heard a woman behind him say, why are you here? Hmm. And that would be quite alarming. (laughs) Cute. So he he ran from the house, which triggered the alarm. Mm -hmm. And when the police responded, an officer claimed there was a woman in a green dress in the parlor. Hmm. And by the time backup arrived, she was gone. Spooky. Yeah. The parlor in general is actually believed to be the most active spot in the house. Specifically, the arch in the doorway is believed to be like the exact spot where Yankee Jim was hanged. Uh, so that's kind of the nexus of energy. Yeah. And well, and then the parlor was also where Violet was taken and ended up dying after she shot herself. Mm. So there's that. Layer upon layer of energy. Yeah. Uh, we have some unidentified spirits or apparitions, like I said. Mm-hmm. We're not sure where some of these people came from, but Lillian did rent out the house mm-hmm. a lot during the early 1900s before the family moved back in. So it's possible that these are like former tenants. Or maybe just people that got kind of pulled in. There is a little girl in the dining room. Okay. Sometimes music is heard in the theater room. Mm-hmm. And then there's the courtroom, which also has some good stuff. And thunder strikes. I know. So, <laughs> it's raining. <laughs> I didn't realize that was... You, well, right when you pointed your finger at me, there was a flash. And I was like, did you direct that? That's wild. I did not. No, I don't have control over lightning. I'm not Thor. Well, I'm glad. Thank you. Massage helped. So let's get back to the woman in the courtroom. (laughs) Uh, A visitor actually described seeing the following apparition in the courtroom. They described a small figure of a woman with a swarthy complexion, which I'm not exactly sure what swarthy means. If you like tall, dark and handsome men, you find a swarthy complexion attractive, like like olive skinned. Oh, okay. Well, she was swarthy. Uh, She's wearing a full long skirt that appears to be a small print calico or gingham. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is a cap on her head and she has dark hair and dark eyes and is wearing gold hoop earrings. Hmm. And she's, it's said that she's in the back corner of the jury box in the courtroom. And psychics actually claim that that area is a spiritual vortex. And people who are sensitive to spirit energy have also reported feeling dizzy or uncomfortable in that area. Hmm. And then the last apparitions that I have, I have ghost animals. Wait, what? Yes, I have ghost animals. Ghost animal, way of the samurai. Specifically, now they don't know for sure, but people believe that the ghost dog <laughs> is not, such not, a good movie. not ghost dog, way of the samurai. No, oh, there, is, there is a dog. Forrest Whitaker. There is a dog ghost 
Okay. In the house, it's a uh, small fox terrier. And it is believed to be the ghost of Dolly Varden, who is one of the Whaley's dogs. And it has been seen running down the halls, nipping at ankles, and chasing a ghost cat through walls. Okay, that's absolutely adorable. I know, right? I would love that. I'm sorry. It sounds fucking adorable. (laughs) I know this is ostensibly a horror podcast, but the thought of a ghost dog chasing a ghost cat is the cutest fucking thing. Yeah. Okay. So to wrap up my stuff on the Whaley house, because it's so well known, there's a lot of people who have talked about this house. Like I said, we there's a lot of podcasts, I'm sure, that have covered it. Mm -hmm. But we also have docuseries on television and such. Television and the internet. So... If you want to learn more about the Wheelie House, you can try and find these TV episodes of things. Factor Faked Paranormal Files for Sci-Fi Channel. They did an episode on it. America's Most Haunted for the Travel Channel. They actually called the Wheelie House the most haunted house in America. Oh, wow. Yeah. There was um, an episode of Ghost Adventures in 2014. Mm-hmm. BuzzFeed Unsolved went there in right. 2017. And actually, that episode of BuzzFeed Unsolved, as of 2021, has over 12 million views on YouTube. Holy shit. And then the most amusing docuseries type thing, The Haunting of Regis Philbin. What? Yes. Okay. So there was a, there was a show that was done in 2012 for the Biography Channel called The Haunting of Regis Philbin mm-hmm. that explored an incident Regis Philbin had with the Whaley House in 1964. So apparently, while visiting the house for a local morning show, Regis claimed to have an encounter with Anna Whaley. Oh, wow. Yeah. Really? Yes. Huh. And he actually said, and I quote... A lot of people poo-poo it because they can't see it, but there was something going on in that house. And then I have two other small things that aren't technically docu-series. Um, Asylum is a lower-budget ho- horror film studio. They actually have a film called The Haunting of the Whaley House. Okay. And it uses... It's not filmed at the Whaley House. It uses the history and the lore as the basis for the film. Fair. The film itself was actually shot at the Bembridge House in Long Beach, which is is over two hours away. (laughs) And the last thing I have, uh, do you remember when we used to watch Ridiculousness all the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With uh, Rob Dyrdek. Yeah, Chanel uh, West Coast. Yeah. Yeah. So Rob Dyrdek actually, on an episode of Ridiculousness, once said that he, quote, lived next door to the most haunted house in California and would spend nights calling out for Old Man Whaley. Really? Yeah, so supposedly he lived near the Whaley house. Well, I mean, for him to make a reference like calling out for old man Whaley, that's something that you would have to know some history and lore. Right, you would have to know your shit. I mean, I know a lot of folks are like, hey, that's a dumb, dumb show. You know what? You don't get that successful being a complete dumb, dumb. No. Sometimes you just got to put on a dumb, dumb mask. Right, exactly. So that's all I have on the Whaley house. I know it wasn't, it's not super spooky, but you know, sometimes we do lighter things and ghosts are still nice. Can be. Ghosts are still fun to, fun to think about. Sure. All right. So let's get into your stories, which I love when we do episodes like this, because I like getting to just sit and listen Mm -hmm. and react. Is that weird? No, I don't think that's weird at all. I mean, it's almost like getting the same experience that one of our listeners has. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I mean, I didn't know what any of your research was. And I guess I'll just dive into this. 
Yeah, because you were at least a little bit familiar probably with the Whaley House, but like... Right. I am unfamiliar with your stuff. So, I was given a choice, and I obviously chose the one in Japan. I think I gave you that one or the Sally House, I think was the other option. Oh, well, I I chose the one from Japan because you threw me a piece of bait and I bit. That's fair. And that led me down an unexpected path. Okay. (laughs) Is it a haunted house? Is it an urban legend? Both? Neither? That's kind of where I I fell down a deep rabbit hole. Yeah, I can imagine. Because, like, there's credible information. I apologize for the thunder. I I called. They said they'll do what they can. It adds ambiance. Yeah. <laughs> like, there are university papers saying that this is part of culture. Yeah. Like, Penn State University has an oh. entire page on it. Oh, cool. So... Most of the resources I found still tell the same story. Okay. And I just hope I do it justice. I'm sure you'll do awesome. Whenever you get to talk about stuff in Japan, you always get really excited. Or I go overboard. Well, which is a form of excitement. Fair. So according to commonly accepted legend, one of the most haunted locations in Japan is just outside Tokyo. In a quiet, rocky region, you can find a mansion with a gruesome past tied to an ancient ritual. Ooh. The exact location of Himuro Mansion, sometimes called Himikiru Mansion, is not known, but the story goes that for generations the Himuro family participated in a strangling ritual, attributed by most sources to a Shinto practice. Don't worry, I'll get into it. That doesn't seem very Shinto. Right? (laughs) And I haven't been able to confirm any type of strangling ritual, so before y'all get all up in arms. But local lore suggests that this ritual must be completed every 50 years. Okay. It's a ritual to seal off bad karma from within the earth. How do you seal off bad karma by doing a murder? Hmm. We'll get into it. That seems counterproductive. Well, across the variations of the tale, many agree that the bad karma emerges either in December or at the end of the year. Okay. From a portal within the mansion. <laughs> okay. Hey, you were talking about psych- psychic nexuses. I know, I know, Nexies. I know. Nixies? Nexies? Nexuses, Nisus. Vortex is Vor- the word I is the word I actually Okay. Used. So vortices. <laughs> Plurals are hard in English. I'm just gonna say Vortices. It's a lot easier than saying Nexuses. Nexi? Ne- Nexi, sure. So to stop this portal from opening up and releasing bad karma from within the earth. A maiden is chosen at birth by the head of the household and spends a life sequestered to prevent a bond with the wider world. So no connection to the earth at large. Okay. If such a connection were to be formed, it could spoil the ritual and cause great danger. Okay. The ritual consists of binding the sacrifice by her limbs and neck, where draft animals, either oxen or horses, depending on the version of the story, Mm -hmm. quarter her. Um... Wait, it gets better. Wait, quarter her or quintet her? Because you said head also. Right, uh, that's typically just held in place. Okay. <laughs> quintet. Uh, has anybody been drawn and quintetted? I don't it's know. Generally just quartered. But yeah, she's bound at the wrists and ankles, and the limbs are removed by these draft right. animals. One attached to each and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, usually. That's usually how you see it done. But it, it gets better. Well, or Does worse. It? Does it? Or worse. 
Because once the limbs have been ripped off by these these ropes tied to draft animals, the mm-hmm. ropes are then dragged through the blood, and then the bloody ropes are laid across the portal to seal it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that just seals it for 50 years. Okay. So legend- Sounds chill. Yeah. I mean, super... <laughs> I mean, it's... It's not like a family reunion. I mean, it's it's something that... And I... I how far in advance is this maiden chosen? Because you say they do it every 50 years. No, but I mean, like... I know she's chosen at birth, but how soon before this thing is done? Do they pick one after the most recent ritual? And so they're actually sacrificing, like, a 50-year-old woman? Or is it, like, 20, years be- 20 or 15 years before they're like, all right, time to pick a new person? I mean, I guess it depends on... Uh... How many babies are being made? Because you say maiden, and I think of someone between the ages of, like, 12 and 20. You do you, Lash LaRue. I'm just, I'm just, I'm sure this question has no answer, but I had to ask it. That is one of many. (laughs) That's the show. That's the show. Tia has lots of questions that never get answered. Well, (laughs) you'll have more. I'll put it that way. Oh, good. So legend says that the most recent ritual went horribly wrong. Of course it did. (laughs) The young lady had fallen in love with a man who tried to rescue her from her fate. The physical bond also bound her to the physical world, tainting her blood and causing the ritual to fail. Oh, fuck this victim-blaming nonsense. Right? Oh no, the sacrifice found love in someone who wanted to save her. Yeah, the sacrifice who decided she didn't want to be a sacrifice? Fuck you. So upon learning of the ritual's complication, mm-hmm. the master head of household took up his sword and brutally murdered all of his family members before turning the blade upon himself. Basically, his family failed to close the portal, so he killed his family, then killed himself. Um, you're the head of the household, sir. You failed. Yeah. Allegedly, this is the spark that set the fire of the hauntings. Mm-hmm. It said that the seven souls... Wow. Power fluctuation there. That was terrifying. <laughs> yeah, we're in the middle of recording, We're in the middle folks. of recording, Thunderstorm. Calm down. <laughs> Could you not? Please don't do that. <laughs> it's said that the seven souls of the murdered family wander Himuro Mansion, attempting to repeat the failed ritual with anyone who enters the abandoned and accursed site. Splashes of blood are a common sight, as if a sword had just passed through a fresh kill. Hmm. Others report seeing white-clad spirits preparing the grounds for the ritual. Okay. Now, to some of you listeners out there, the story may sound a bit familiar, as it's used for the backstory of the popular survival horror video game, Fatal Frame. Oh, okay. Which was developed and produced by Tecmo, which later became Koi Tecmo. That makes Uh, sense. It was developed for Sony PlayStation. Okay, which is why I've never played it. The game is also known as Zero in Japan and Mm -hmm. Project Zero in Europe and Australia. One source I found from Backpackerverse.com, which I didn't know existed until I was doing research on this, added a quote from the chief producer of Fatal Frame, Makoto Shibata. She was quoted in saying, In an area outside Tokyo, there lies a mansion in which it said seven people were murdered in a grisly manner. On the same property, there lie three detached residences that surround the mansion, all of which are rumored to have ties to the mansion's troubled past. It said that there's an underground network of tunnels that lay beneath the premises, but nobody knows who made these tunnels or what purpose they served. Uh, duh, they're tunnels I mean, to get from point A to point B without having to go outside. Yeah, seriously. Many inexplicable phenomena 
have been reported occurring on the property. Bloody handprints have been found uh, splattered all over the walls. Spirits have been spotted on the premise, even in broad daylight. A narrow stairway leads to the attic where a spirit-sealed talisman is rumored to be locked away. Men have sought this talisman only to be found later with their bodies broken and rope marks around their wrists. There's a crumbling old statue of a woman in a kimono, but her head is missing. If you take a photo of a certain window, a young girl can be seen in the developed picture. These incidents no. have provoked fear in the people of Tokyo. No, thank and, you. And many believe that those who live near the area will become cursed. The deaths of those seven people are unexplained to this day. No, I'm good. No, thank you. So, with with that bit of game developer hype... Uh-huh. So, I'll, it sounds like I just need to go in there with a camera obscura and I'll be fine. Yeah. Well, at this point <laughs> I have some issues. Okay. Because we're doing haunted houses, right? Yes, we are. So, is this a true story or a legend? Uh, I don't know. Based on when this story came out and when all this information came out, this could have taken place 30, 60 years ago. That would put it at 1991 or 1961, roughly. Yeah. Even 100 years ago, it would be 1921, right? Yeah. But there's no records of the story. There's, like... Like, there's no police reports or journals or something. There's no documentation proving that this ever fucking happened. Like the murders, yeah. Okay. N- nothing. Hmm. Second, where the hell is Himuro Mansion? You said it's outside Tokyo. Yeah, well, a lot of... We're outside Tokyo. I mean, if you travel okay. far enough. Listen, bitch. When you say something is outside a particular city, that means it's close outside a particular city. Well, see, there's a problem. Because okay, what is the what is the problem? So, with this story, a lot of a lot of it is backed up with, oh, there are these eyewitnesses. But we don't have any actual documented eyewitness that can tell us where the hell it is. But this is something that universities have investigated, you said. I didn't say they investigated. I said they published it on their site. What? Mm. About culture, which is less uh, investigated <laughs> than actual historical Aren't, or anthropological I would say, isn't that what cultural anthropologists do? They mm, investigate... not in America. Th- oh, my God. They just make shit up. I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. I mean, I guess not, but it's still really annoying. So, these eyewitness reports don't give anything other than... Uh, a location that is a rocky region just outside of Tokyo, surrounded by five Shinto shrines. Now, with that piece of information and my history with living in Japan and frequenting Tokyo, I thought, okay, surely I can find a rocky region surrounded by five Shinto shrines. I mean, we have, like, Google Maps and stuff like that, and, like, satellite imagery. You'd think we would be able to find something. Which is exactly what I set out to do. Fucking hell, I love you. Under no small effort. I would say, were you successful, though? That's the thing. I checked as close as Chiba, Shibuya, Shinjuku, because, like you said, just outside Tokyo. Yeah. So, I mean, Tokyo, Tokyo adjacent. And some people would argue that Shibuya and Shinjuku are Tokyo proper. I mean, honestly, Shibuya is probably my favorite part of going to Tokyo because uh, the club scene is insane. Or at least it was back in the early 2000s. And then I had to kind of span out because... I wasn't finding a rocky region. You're not going to find a rocky region surrounded by temples in, you know, Shinjuku. So I had to broaden my search. I went out as far as Funabashi to the east, Kawasaki and Yokohama to the south, and then I started sweeping Saitama to the north, where I did find a possible match based on the lore. Okay. And I have a picture. All right. 
a okay. rocky region. Rocky region with several shrines, it appears. And I circled it That's even cool. on my drawing. Basically, oh, by the way, we're not encouraging any of our Japanese listeners to go investigate. If y'all want to, that's on you. But like, we are not asking you to do that. So just keep bear in mind, please. For those who want to know the geographical <laughs> location, basically the uppermost one is the Umezono Shrine. And then just southeast of it is the Ogose Shrine. And then just kind of make a, I don't know, it's trapezoid. But yeah. it's, it's five shrines. Rocky region. Rocky, yeah. It fits the general description. If you go investigate, please be safe, be smart, pack some water. Let us know. Because it looks like it's going to be a bit of a hike. Yeah. Be like, like, hey, we went to this area and we didn't find anything. We'll be like, all right, cool. Or if you did, send us pictures. uh, Geographically, also, it's in the Saitama Prefecture, Morayama Town, uh, Iruma District. Mm -hmm. That's the location if, if, if you're not familiar with exactly where one of these shrines are. Okay. So that kind of left me in a lurch. All right. So we've got this legend. Ritual turned bad. Yeah. Whole family murdered. Haunting claims from multiple sources. What What do we know? Or what facts do we have? There's no record. There's mm-hmm. no definitive location. And the couching of this ritual in Shinto doesn't vibe with any purification rituals I, I know of, uh, about Shinto. I would say, I don't know a ton about Shinto, but that doesn't seem like the kind of thing that would fit. No, because Shinto purification rituals, uh, a lot of it looks at, and this is an, a hyper oversimplification of Shinto, but there's purity and impurity. Mm-hmm. So one, death, funerals, things like that are considered impure. So you wouldn't have that at a shrine. You wouldn't have that at a temple. It's considered impure. For purification, you would use water or salt, possibly combined with prayer or having someone do prayers for you. Mm-hmm. Not Drawing and quartering someone. Not, not executing a, a person. Right. Not executing a probably teenage girl. Yeah, n- nothing nothing involving harming someone, let alone a sacrifice. No. So it, it just doesn't jive. It it feels like something was just chosen because it was almost obs- well, obscure enough to be twisted that way. Because it seems like my general understanding of most East Asian religions is sacrificing people, not really a thing. Right. Right. So, <laughs> and I mean, I could be completely off base. If someone wants to present me, like some sort of documentation of this strangling ritual, please again, don't go like, don't go all Laura Croft Tomb Raider and try to find it. Just right. if you happen to know, right. let us know. But well, I've never in my in in my travels, in my life, in my friends, we've never run no, across that. It doesn't seem like it. Another thing works. of note. Yes. Tecmo advertised the game in North America with the tagline "Based on a true story." You know what's remarkably omitted from the uh, marketing in Japan? That tagline? You're exactly correct. I mean, because when it comes to spooky shit, if you can claim that it's based on a true story, Americans, we will gobble that shit up. Nom, 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 nom. We love that shit. And I I don't know if it's maybe a rules thing or a marketing you know, because I know, like in in the UK, they have certain things with advertising where it's like, if it is not this, you can't say that it is exactly. Yeah, and and different countries have different gray areas that you can fudge. Yeah, America is a lot more when it comes to marketing, a lot more flexible. Uh, for example, you can claim that a product is organic, even if it only has like one ingredient out of fifty that is actually organic. Exactly. So I checked across a few sites, including one really old school site that I had to fall on just to find 
something that then devolved into this absolutely awful discussion. Did she have to go to E-Bomb's world? No. <laughs> no. This was uh, jref.com, which is a old-school bulletin board-style resource site that I... After after scrolling through a bit of it, it seems like there are a few, like maybe two or three scholars and a few folks from Japan okay. that just answer random Americans' questions. Oh, and, that's cool. Well... Uh, but yeah, Penn State University does oh support the story. My nose on this, I smell bullshit based on the facts presented. Okay. But I am open to additional evidence. So again, if someone has more evidence on this saying it is fact, not referencing the video game, I'm all ears. Yeah. It was a lot of research on that, and it kind of left me in a quandary. Okay. Because you brought us a haunted house. Yeah. Our listeners could go there. Yeah. I bought a book that is actually published by the, like, Historical Society of California. What is it actually published by? Hold on. I don't know. It's your book. I don't know. Well, let me see. The Save Our Heritage Organization of San Diego. That sounds almost ominous. And there's, like, pictures and stuff and actual documentation. I would imagine some of it goes to upkeep of this historical site. Probably, yeah. But here, here's, here's my thing. I didn't give anybody a place. That is true. You did not. Which I didn't really know <laughs> when I gave you the options I gave you. I was just like, oh, this place is in Japan. Maybe he'll, like, he likes to do stuff about Japan. Right. So that leaves me asking, did I complete my assignment to bring you Haunted Japan? I don't believe I did. Okay. I can do better. Okay. So did you, so you branched out. It sounds like you did extra credit. How about we check out briefly three places we can visit? Okay. Is one of them the forest? No. By the way, I'm just going to straight up right now say the suicide forest in Japan is not something that I ever would want to promote people going to. Nor, it's not, it's not yeah. a tourist site. Nor would I want to go. It's, I mean, even for the morbidly curious, the authorities, I don't think they can technically stop you, but they really recommend you just don't it's go. It's highly it, discouraged from what I understand. And it, I don't want to be disrespectful of that. Yeah. It's, it's a very simple request that they make, and I can honor it. Yeah. So, no, I'm not I'm not going to bring that in into this. Yeah. We may talk about it at some point in the future when we talk about haunted locations that aren't houses. Mm. But I don't know. It, it kind of depends. We'll talk about it. We'll think about it. So, first up, we've got Inunaki Tunnel. Inunaki Tunnel? Mm-hmm. Uh, Is this the place from that fucking trailer you showed me? Yeah. So, oh Inunaki Tunnel is located in Miyakawa Town in Fukuoka Prefecture. Inunaki loosely translates to Dog's Howl, uh, which already gives kind of a foreboding vibe. Yeah. The tunnel was opened in 1949, uh, and the mountain tunnel itself was kind of remote and just... I mean, it's a spooky mountain tunnel. You know, so it's great like, if you... why is it there? Well, so you don't have to go around a mountain range to, to okay. bring supplies. So it was and stuff. actually meant as a point of ingress. Well, or, or point to basically get from one town or city to another without having to travel all the way around or over an actual mountain. Exactly. Okay. You know, can't go over it. Can't go under it. Might as well go through it. I think that's from a children's book. Yeah, um, it's something. So since it kind of, I mean, it served its purpose for a while, but then. Eventually, there were other ways around and through, and the tunnel kind of became stopped, less... Stopped being used, really. It became a little less relevant. Mm-hmm. To nobody's surprise, uh, the tunnel was actually 
soon taken over by a local biker gang. Oh, cool. Good job. Uh, making it an even less traveled area. Because right. Because they're like, okay, just that. don't. Yeah. Local lore was already filled with urban legends and violent crimes and suicides and things like that in the area. And having unsavory characters roaming this this tunnel it didn't is, help. No, it did. It did not help in the slightest. So there is one murder that is documented that isn't ancient. Okay. Uh, it doesn't involve ripping people's limbs off. Murder is still not great. True. But there was a grisly murder on the 6th of December, 1988. Okay. Where a group of teens assaulted a 20-year-old factory worker uh, before stealing his car and abducting him. Fucking youths. They later decided to silence their victim and hide the crime. So they brought him to the old tunnel and tortured him. Stop. Stop. Teenagers, don't do this. They tortured him by tying him up and repeatedly smashing a rock against his head. Okay. Well, it's not great. They could have done worse, but that's still not great. Then. Ah, fuck. The gang doused the poor worker in gasoline. No! Uh, Their victim was set on fire and in a frenzied state screamed as he ran to the end of the tunnel before collapsing on the ground, writhing in agony. No! Some say his blood and charred remains can still be spotted in the tunnel. Fuck no. The body was discovered the next day after those youths were seen at a bar the previous night boasting about their gruesome deed. Fuck, don't... If you're gonna do crimes, don't talk about your crimes at a bar after you've done your crimes. Yeah, like hours after. Yes, That's what the dumb. fuck? Don't write them down, don't brag about them. I mean, this is not a crime advice podcast, but just don't be dumb. Oh my god. So, as of the time of this recording, mm-hmm. Inunaki Tunnel is off limits. Okay. There's a roadblock leading to the tunnel, and the tunnel proper is kind of bricked off with cement blocks. Completely bricked off, or mm. is it like in that? Is it like in the trailer for that movie? It's exactly like that. In the oh, trailer. okay. Like there, cool. there, there are photos <laughs> you can you can find of it. I did. I actually didn't include any photos in this section of my notes, but uh, yeah, like I mean, there there's cinder blocks and. I'll get into it. Okay, go. So, the official reason given for the closure is that the tunnel's in disrepair and dangerous because of the risk of the tunnel caving in. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, sure. Yeah, okay. pro- I'm, it probably that's probably true. I mean, I doubt if the place is no longer really in use. Why I doubt safety inspectors it? would be yeah. going in and, you know, why would the prefecture send surveyors to come in and make sure everything's right? Yeah, you, know? you wouldn't spend time and money fixing up a tunnel that nobody uses. Exactly. Because that would just be silly. Yeah, it would be a waste. You would just cut that. You would just, like, brick the shit off. Nobody go there. Yeah, brick the shit off. We need that on a t-shirt. Brick the shit off. <laughs> brick the shit off, start over. Anyway. This closure, if you will, has not stopped the morbidly curious from venturing oh, inside. Of course not. Because I've seen photos. Yeah. <laughs> Local residents have reported that cars just stop working if they get too close to the tunnel. Don't like that. And there's heavy radio interference making remote communication, so radios, CBs, cell phones don't work too well around there. No. Now, granted, some radio signals work on line of sight and can be disrupted by things like solid concrete, mm-hmm. mountains, but you should be able to get some sort of signal somewhere in the area, so if the area around it... Mm, 
Pair that with the lore and the creepy atmosphere, it's generally avoided. Yeah, it's probably not a great idea. There is some speculation regarding that barricade. Okay. There's uh, one person that made a statement and said, while the tunnel's barricade is meant to keep thrill seekers out, it seems a little too easy for humans to climb inside. No. So we can't help but wonder, was it actually meant to keep people out or was it meant to keep whatever's inside in? If it was meant to keep something in, then you should have made it bricked up all the fucking way instead of most of the way. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, don't you you don't you don't steal away the scary in half measures. You that's, just don't. That's, if if I if I find a mouse in my home and I see like a mouse hole in the wall, like a Tom and Jerry type deal, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to seal up half of it and then be like, that's eh, probably fine. They're not they're they're too lazy to climb over the other no, half. No. They will get around that shit because they want to. Right. So, there is some media attached to this. Uh, there's a PC game called Inunaki Tunnel, which is available on Steam. Okay. And there was a film released in 2020 based on this place called Howling Village. It was directed by Takashi Shimizu, uh-huh. who uh, wrote and directed Ju-On. And, and Shimizu and Daisuke Hosaka wrote both the story and the screenplay for it. There is a trailer for it you can find. Yes, there is. If you don't like that little uh, crackly groaning sound from Juan, then you probably won't like the trailer because there's a little bit of that in there. There's not. Okay, there's a there's dose a of that. There's a significant amount at the end. Fair. It, was it unsettling? It was very unsettling. How many TikTok videos did I have to watch? A, a bunch. How many snacks did I have to watch Dylan steal? Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. So... That's the beginning of this. Next up, we have the Round Schoolhouse Ruins. That sounds neat. The Round Schoolhouse Ruin is located near a rural town in Hokkaido called Bibai. The original school was built in 1906, but the circular, circular school itself was later erected in 1959. Okay. So again, I'm bringing it modern, folks. We're not doing this, this nebulous... Old-timey ghosts? 30, 50 years. Well, no, yours are fine. I'm just saying, from what I started with, I'm actually getting some damn dates in here. Yeah. Congratulations, well done. Thank you. Most of the students that attended the school were children of the workers of the Mitsubishi coal mine, not too far away. Okay. Currently, you can't... The same Mitsubishi that now makes cars? Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, I mean, you know, companies diversify. Oh, fair. I didn't want to assume. Now, currently, you can only reach the location on foot, thanks to overgrown wood surrounding the ruins of the nightmare fuel school there's yeah. one picture of it here's, no here's a closer picture no. no no thank you no no okay so in 1974 japan began importing coal and the mine was no longer necessary why Be- they- because of all the expenditure and the safety oh it was just simpler one to- mine it oh, was a okay. lot simpler to just import coal why not? Okay, I mean, fair enough. It, just seemed, it seemed a little odd, but I get it. Well, the mine closure led to the school really kind of being unneeded. Well, because no, no mine, no workers, no town, no school. Yeah. Rumor has it, some who trekked to the school returned in an altered state, and others were just never seen again. In other words... They dis-fucking-peered. Yeah, curiosity seekers also known as trespassers, potentially, were never seen again. Yeah, well. Ooh. Were they disrespectful pieces of shit? 
I don't know. I didn't see any reports that there were Americans in here, but it's possible. <laughs> or, or, to be fair, or Brits. You know. I'm just saying you always see this stuff where people are like, you get these guys who go to these haunted places and they're like, come at me, ghosts. Yeah, that's a very American thing. Fuck and that, me. Look, I'm not hating on America in general. I'm just saying if you see an American in a horror movie in a foreign country... They're going to be a dick. Yeah, a little bit. So I dare you to touch me, ghosts. And then you get punched in the face by a ghost. Right. So the reported anomalies at this site are hearing voices and footsteps. And I I don't see any direct indication, but I would imagine they're children's voices. Was there any records of anyone dying on this site? Or Not that I know of. Huh. Weird. Uh, The feeling of being watched. I mean, I get that most of the time anyway, but I also have anxiety, so... Shrill screams from the woods at night? No, fuck that. And even attacks from shadowy figures that emerge from the woods. What the fuck? Like, shadowy figures running at you. No! And, and like, slamming into your vehicle as you just get inside. I... No, thank you. No? No, 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 thank you. I don't like that at all. It used to be a popular destination for uh, the paranormally intrigued. Because, I I don't know, I find, like, Ghost Hunter just kind of sounds vague and trademarked. Paranormal Investigator sounds way more fun. Yeah, but investigator almost sounds like you're using science, and most of these people don't know what the hell they're doing, so I'm just going to call them intrigued. Paranormal enthusiasts. There you go. Parathusiasts. Sure. Anyway, (laughs) it used to be popular in the 70s and 80s, but today only a handful of brave, curious, or foolhardy explore this horror in the round. I am not enough of either of those things. Hmm. Fair. I'm good. If we ever go to Japan, we there will be plenty of other stuff for us to do that doesn't involve going to this place. Fair enough. Uh, according most, to... Sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was say, mostly going to that uh, Omurice place. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Chef Murakichi? Yeah. 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 Foodcation. That should be a thing. Foodcation. Absolutely. Uh, according to one unidentified group of paranormal investigators, they saw a shimmering patch in the school building claiming the old school is an interdimensional portal. As long as they're not dragging blood ropes across it, I'm I'm fine with their claim. Y'all can't see it, but I'm making the most confused face. I can hear your confused face. <sighs> Frequent listeners will know the sound of your confused face. Inter- interdimensional portal? Yes. Are they sure it's not just some sunlight shimmering off a patch of water on the wall? <sighs> like a prism from a, a broken piece of glass or something? I, I don't know. I don't know, but if anyone does want to find this interdimensional portal, they no. can go to Higashi Bibai Cho, Bibai Hokkaido, 072-0000, Japan. No, please don't. <laughs> Although if you go interdimensional and you pop out like somewhere cool, have fun. I do not condone Rick and Morty science. Oh, it's harmless. It is definitely not. Unless you Cronenberg the place and then it... And then it... Exactly. And rounding us off... Because I don't want to take up too much time. Okay. Let's head down south and check out Nakagusku Hotel Ruins. Okay. We're heading down south to Okinawa, where there's a well-known tourist attraction, the ruins of Nakagusku Castle. Just 50 meters from the castle walls lies a much lesser known, but at least equally interesting attraction, the Nakagusku Hotel Ruins. Allegedly, a property developer from Naha 
wanted to cash in on the tourists attending the 1975 Okinawa Ocean Exposition by building a hotel and leisure park. I mean, more on him. Did he try building this in, in plenty of time that it would be usable? Well, the proposed location <laughs> seemed perfect. It's a hill south of the castle with a gorgeous views of both the castle and the sea. Okay. I take it things went awry. Well, allegedly. Shit, there's that word again. Allegedly. <laughs> some Buddhist monks warned that the proposed site was home to some sec- sacred sites and burial grounds. <laughs> and the developer was advised that angering the spirits of the dead was not wise. And I'm willing to bet, because this is how this shit always goes, the developer laughed in their faces and told them to fuck off and did his shit anyway. And it didn't go well. Well, several accidents did delay construction, some fatal. Called it. So the workers eventually said they weren't going to continue work on some haunted-ass poltergeist hotel. Yeah, that's... The owner was like, fine, fuck it. I will spend the night here and prove to you there is nothing to be afraid of. Quash the rumors of angry spirits and you all get back to work. And he was never seen again. Oh, he was. Okay. Because when morning came, he was found disturbed and was admitted to an asylum. Had his hair gone white? I don't know. I don't think this is a Crash Test Dummies song. I, I'm i going to pretend like his hair had gone white from from being so Maybe a stripe. Yes. So, like any person introduced, as they say by the Bell plot device, he was never seen or heard from again. Hmm. As for an address, well, first of all, here's a picture of the place. Ooh, what does it look like? What does it look like? Well, that's a shame. It looks like it probably would have been a really nice hotel once it was finished. It almost kind of looks like a battleship. It does, yeah. Like There it is, kind of zoomed out. Yeah. So, it's not like I really have a... It's one a... of those built-into-the-hillside kind of deals. Yeah, yeah. But um, again, if it was if they, if he was warned, hey, this is a sacred site, and there's, like, burial grounds and stuff here, like, just move your shit somewhere else. Ask for suggestions. Be like, okay, do you have another place I could possibly build? Don't be a dick. That is the main stance of this podcast. Don't be a dick. So I don't have like a street address because, uh, well, for one, the place was never finished being built, but it, the ruins are still there. Mm-hmm. But I do have coordinates and geographical references. Oh, my gosh. And again, we are not encouraging anyone to seek these places out. Except the Whaley House. You could totally go there. They offer tours. So this location is 26 degrees, 16 minutes, 58 seconds north, 127 degrees, 47 minutes, 52.6 degrees east. Or if you can find Nakagusku Castle, which is just kind of southwest of the Futenma Motor Driving School. Okay. You can you can check it out. So. Oh, and it's just north of a, some temple, too. Yeah, the Okinawa Naritazan Fukusen Temple. Cool. So yeah, those are... Go for the castle, stay for the haunted abandoned hotel. And then check out that tunnel. No. Yeah. Well, look, I started my research going, wow, this is like a crazy ass house. Yeah. And then I'm like, or is it a marketing ploy? Shit, did I just spend 12 hours researching a fucking (laughs) marketing ploy? So I'm like, no, I'm going to find you some haunted ass shit that's going to make you say nope. That's fair. That is a fair CNC Music Factory... I got your number. New album, new song, things that make you say nope. Horror tracks only. Was that a CNC Music Factory? Things that make you go, hmm. Oh, huh. Didn't know. Didn't know that was them. Yeah. All right. Cool. So I think that is going to do it for us today. Or is it? I don't know. Yeah, no. 
Yeah. Also, you got the surprised face all of a sudden. I like, was what? I was just scrolling through over? scrolling through my notes and it went kind of sideways and it went like that and I'm like, where would it go? Like, where did everything go? Okay. As always, you can find us on our socials via our website. It's h2horrorcast.com. There are links there to our Twitter and Facebook. There's blog posts. There's links to the episodes themselves. You can also find there a link to our Patreon, patreon.com slash h2horrorcast, where you can support us financially for as little as a dollar a month. Yes. If you are so inclined. That goes to renting or sometimes buying movies, upgrading equipment, all the little things that we need. The 65 books the I've books. bought. <laughs> Maybe not 65. Not 65. I would say I just bought four oh, yeah. we, for upcoming yeah. stuff. So, yeah. And this episode. Yeah, there you go. Other ways that you can support us, you can uh, rate us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere that you listen to us that rating is an option. Yes. You can also recommend us to a friend. It is it is the spooky month. So maybe people that are not always into horror are looking for something with a spooky yet comedic bent to yeah. it. And, you know, recommend us, please. And thank you. That would be great. Yeah, that, that would be fantastic. As I mentioned in our previous episode, we I'm doing our 31 Days of Horror on our Twitter and Facebook. Yes. So we'll have uh, recommendations every day for the month of October. That's right. All right. So until next time, I'm Tia. And I'm still David. And stay spooky, friends. But music for this episode is Save Us Now by Shane Ivers. Our artwork is by Catherine Nixon. <laughs>